Welcome to the McDark Horror Series. Lights out. Good. Here we go. The Collector had arrived. How did I know? I could smell him. <sighs> Sulfur. Not to mention I could hear the hounds scratching ever so softly at the door. Regret was the most prominent emotion, with fear a close second. Being a good-looking early twenties man, I thought I'd make the most of the ten years he had given me. The meager ten years I had to enjoy the fame, success, and money he had given me. In exchange for the one possession I had since come to realize is more important than any materialistic item anyone could ever have. And now, I'd lived out my given years, and it was time to pay him what was owed. Was it worth it? Certainly not. I mean, sure, it was great driving the latest cars dating the most beautiful women, being on the front cover of numerous magazines, not to mention dining in multiple foreign countries many times during a week. But now, it had come to a very startling and abrupt end. Honestly, I didn't even notice ten years had flown by. Well, whether or not I had noticed it, my time was up. He was walking up the stairs now. The stairs that led to my bedroom, my sanctuary, my safe room. I didn't feel very safe now. My heart was pounding in my chest so hard. It felt as though it thought it could break free from my chest and escape, thus saving itself. But no, we were in this together. The moon shone in brightly through the huge sheets of glass that served as windows to my domain, casting long shadows from the trees outside. Shadows that seemed to know my fate were dancing around the room now, in anticipation of the event about to unfold, once he reached my room. His ascent up the stairs seemed to be taking forever, and the damned hounds of hell stood vigil at my door, scratching, assuring me they were there and ready to tear me apart in the event I foolishly tried to run for it. The shadows continued to dance and a raven landed by my window and stared in. Was it letting me know it was guarding the window? Or was it merely here to watch the Collector collect my soul? I lay in bed, clutching my sheets, and wondering what exactly was going to befall me once he knocked on my door. It was locked. But would a simple man-made lock withstand a being hailing from hell? I rolled over and opened my bedside drawer. The moonlight proceeded to shine in on my 50 caliber Desert Eagle, illuminating it as though to assure me that it was indeed the answer to my current predicament. But should I end myself and put the cold metal barrel to my head, or do my best to keep my nerve and shoot my aggressor once he entered? Rather, the latter. It was a long shot that it would work, but honestly, there's not much a dead man can do but hope. 
I glanced around my room for what might be the last time. The superfluously large television hung on the wall opposite my equally large bed. Beautifully expensive and exotic paintings displayed on every inch of wall space. Yet another tribute to my ill-acquired wealth. The Persian rug at the foot of my bed covering the floor with its splendor. While observing the room, it became evident how still the night had become. No birds chirping. No dogs barking. Not even the slightest hint of wind graced the land at present. The stench of sulfur grew stronger. Almost to the point of suffocation. He had arrived at my door. The hounds had stopped scratching. In one last moment of hesitation, I decided to pray. Maybe... Just maybe, this god people believed in would mercifully enough spare me. Clearly the last-ditch attempt at salvation was futile, as I heard a soft but eerily menacing chuckle from the other side of my door. He did not speak, nor knock. He seemed to be relishing in my fear and anticipation of what was to come, by standing outside and laughing at me. I wonder what he looks like. Would he look human? What would he use to accost my soul? Would it hurt? What would happen after he did it? Was there any way to perhaps bargain for a few extra years of life, even if reduced to poverty? The chuckling continued as I was trapped in my thoughts, Desert Eagle in hand, still glistening in the moonlight. Why had I done it? Regret once again seeped in as the pure reality of my imminent annihilation hit me fully, as though I had stepped onto a busy highway, fresh out of college, with not a cent of my name. Selling my soul for more money than I could ever spend seemed like a dream come true. I had since come to realize that the dream had now become a nightmare. I had sold my soul for riches and fame, and now, neither the money nor the power I had enjoyed would help me now. My soul was no longer mine, and now the time had come for it to be taken. The laughing had stopped. I assumed the time for jokes and mind games had passed, and it was time for business. I stood there in the dark now. Desert Eagle pointed at the door, waiting for him to try and break in. Perhaps I should start shooting before he even tried to enter. I moved closer to the door, intent to end him if possible before he had the slightest chance to get to me. I squared up to the door and pulled the trigger. Nothing. I pulled it again, and again, and again. Not so much as a sound came forth the machine made to take life. I set the gun down, stood there. Not much else to do now. He did not kick or ram the door. The doorknob simply began to turn. The sulfuric smell was now suffocating and I could not breathe. The doorknob turned slowly and once again, the brilliance of the moon showed me just how slowly it was turning. The door creaked open. My heart seemed to stop. There was nothing at the door. A sense of instant relief washed over me. Perhaps he had simply been toying with my mind and would leave me to live out the rest of my days. My thoughts were violently interrupted when I felt an icy finger run down the side of my face. I could feel his presence behind me. 
I could taste the sulfur now that he had me in his grasp. My knees trembled, and a cold sweat broke out across my brow. He continued to stroke and caress my cheek, as though we were once lovers. I broke down in tears. My whole body trembled. How I wanted to turn to get a look at the creature that had opened my door, only to appear behind me. I could not find the strength, nor the courage to face my doom. I grew faint and felt my knees give in, but I did not fall. He was holding me up, supporting me. His face, or whatever he possessed near my ear from behind. It's time to go, he said softly, almost seductively, and we went into the darkness. The scratches were deep. Blood had been drawn. The fact that they were self-inflicted were a testimony that something was undoubtedly not right with James. The restraints creaked with every sharp, rigid movement he made. The sound he let loose made all of their blood run cold. It started very low. Almost animalistic. The sound gained in volume and pitch until their ears felt as though some psychopath had embedded a fork into each of them and was scraping inside with the utmost vigor. Jeff and Marco looked at each other as they stood above the bed that contained the body of what once had been James. Fear. Fear was so evident in them. It seemed to be written on their foreheads in luminous font. It had just been a silly game. Nothing more, nothing less. The goal of the game was to talk to a spirit to see what he knew about them or what was in store for the future. Because according to the stories, spirits could tell you that sort of stuff. What they had brought into our realm was far from the idealistic spirit they had imagined. They were under the illusion it would have been friendly and cooperative. How wrong they had been. James' skin had taken a yellowish tone. His breathing was fast and shallow. From time to time he twitched, like a dog does when it's in the throes of a dream it can't wake from. They didn't know what to do. Jeff shook him. All that accomplished was to show them the whites of his eyes as they rolled back into their sockets. He stopped, and they just stared at the ghastly sight of their friend before them. The bed rattled and shook as James started seizing. What do I do? Jeff shouted in a panic. Open his mouth! Hold his tongue so he doesn't bite it off! Came Marco's reply. In a flash, Jeff gripped James' jaw and pulled it open while immediately inserting two fingers to place on his tongue. The shaking and convulsing persisted until, again, James let loose the blood-curdling sound he had made earlier. And with that, looked directly at Jeff. What Jeff saw in the eyes of James was not human. Their gaze was broken when suddenly Jeff felt the most excruciating pain he had ever felt course through his body. He looked down and let out a scream as he saw James covered in blood. 
with two badly removed stumps where his fingers had once been. James laughed eerily. But not before he chewed the fingers, he had violently removed and spat them onto the floor to his side. Jeff screamed until his throat was raw, all the while holding his maimed hand. His fingers lay on the floor in front of him, chewed in such a manner they no longer really looked like fingers any longer. In shock, Jeff reached down with his good hand and picked up his lost appendages, cradling them close to his chest and crying. James' laughter continued while Marco stood there, unable to move or say anything. The game had gone well at first, or so it seemed. They set the board up, darkened the room and lit the candles as the instructions had dictated. They joined hands, said the incantation, and proceeded to all lay hands on the small bit of glass that would guide them to the letters and phrases that were spread out on the board, and that the spirit would use to communicate with them. They asked the room if anyone was present from the spirit world, and it wasn't until a good few minutes later they all felt a gentle tug on the glass that led them to the block on the board marked yes. They looked at each other in excited disbelief and went on to ask their spirit friend a number of other questions. Little did they know they had invited something that was interested in more than playing a game with a few young adults. What do we do now? Marco screamed at Jeff, who now sat on the floor cradling his disfigured fingers. Jeff was of no help and James continued laughing although the pitch and tone of it changed drastically. It sounded as though he was laughing in a cave and it was echoing all around him. Marco looked around the cabin room for some sort of guidance. It was a very minimalistic room, a single table in the center of the room, board game still atop. Their sleeping bags littered the corner of the room. The section that contained the kitchen littered with empty beer cans and alcohol bottles. The wind blew gently outside, gently rocking the door on its hinges. Marco, being the only one of sound mind, entered the kitchen. He tried his cell phone again, but due to the location being in the woods, network eluded the cell phone. He could not make any calls. He considered getting James and Jeff into the car, but instantly thought of when the drama had started and James had been spitting and babbling like a crazy person, all the while clawing at his own skin. He thought of how he felt when the spirit they had been talking to informed them they would all perish together, and that it would make one of them its own. James had apparently been the chosen one. Getting him to the car now was out of the question. They had to deal with the situation here. His thoughts were interrupted by the desperate shouts of Jeff, and upon turning back to them, saw James had broken the restraints of one hand and wrapped his hand around the neck of the fragile-looking Jeff. He thought quickly, opened the kitchen drawer and drew a knife. He knew not what he was doing, but ran to the bed and began stabbing. The knife penetrated James' chest over and over, each time opening a wound from which blood and a foul stench poured forth from. He stabbed and stabbed until his arms gave up on him and he could stab no more. He collapsed onto the floor, turning his neck to see Jeff cowering in the far corner of the room dismembered fingers left lying forgotten on the floor. The smell became too much, and Marco began retching. The vomit projected from his mouth, covering the floor, creating a disgusting mess of vomit and blood. He vomited until he was throwing up bile. The knife he had used lying covered in blood at the edge of the bed, untouched by the vomit at least. 
The cloth they had used as restraints hung from the bedpost. Marco rose to his feet, walked to the bed. Eyes open, chest gaping with knife wounds. The smiling face of James still seemed animated. Looking at the body, Marco felt nothing. What lay dead before him was no longer the man he had known since he was a child. What lay before him was something else. Gathering himself, Marco walked out to the shed and proceeded to dig a hole, right behind the cabin. He dug and dug, oblivious to the rain that had begun to fall to the earth, cleaning the earth and washing away all that is wrong in the world. He finished the hole and went back to the cabin. He dragged the body off the bed, through the vomit and blood mixture, and out of the cabin. The wounds poured blood onto the floor, trailing all the way out. The rain did its job and washed every speck of it away with the dirt. He dropped the body into the hole covered it with dirt. Walking back into the cabin, he put Jeff's arm around him and hoisted him up. They left the cabin without collecting any of their belongings. Marco loaded Jeff into the passenger seat of the car, got into the driver's seat. Without even a look back, he drove like the devil was behind him. He did not stop until he had reached his house 60 kilometers away. Still wearing clothes, he opened his shower, pulled Jeff in with him to wash the blood and dirt off. The bleeding had stopped, but he would need medical attention. It was late at night now, the rain still pounding away. He would give Jeff some painkillers to knock him out would take him to the hospital first thing in the morning. He put Jeff in the guest bedroom. After having sedated and dressed his friend in some of his bedclothes, he, Marco, was still in shock. His mind had not yet comprehended all that had happened, let alone that he killed his friend. He got into his bed and pulled the covers up to his chin. God, it felt good to be in a comfortable bed. He was exhausted. He had survived an ordeal. His eyes fluttered and he drifted off to sleep. Not long after he fell asleep, he was woken by the same pungent smell that had been let loose when he killed James. He opened his eyes and immediately felt his heart in his throat. James sat on the edge of his bed, blood and mud still covering him, stab wounds evident in the weak glow of light coming from the conjoined bathroom. The voice that came from James' mouth was not his. It sounded as though at least five people were speaking in unison. Hey, buddy, I'm back. All for one, one for all. Where I go, you go. Darkness 